This is The Playbook. Well, Dave, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Very grateful for your time. Well, thank you for coming here and doing the podcast. It's uh, a lot of fun to have friends visit us here, so thanks for doing it. Yeah, so, um, you know, James Whitaker introduced me to you. Yes. He's an awesome guy. So this podcast is all about um, people in their 20s, kind of navigating their career and whatnot. And uh, we've got like about 15 to 20 minutes, so we'll um, keep it short and sweet. Sweet. Um, but my first question is always, what did you do after high school? What was going on in your head with your parents and every, what were people telling you to do? What was that process like for you? Yeah, for me, I wanted to be rich. Uh, so I was looking at what I was taught by my mom, who's an educator. We had six kids, single mom, we're two jobs. Right. So our way into wealth was going to be through education. So the standard motto uh, when I was a high school was, Doctor, lawyer, engineer. failure. <laughs> engineer. Engineer, yeah. yeah. I was more like a doctor or lawyer, but yes, or failure. Um, and so uh, my siblings were very motivated academically. I was motivated in an entrepreneurial manner with respect to my mom. I made sure that I made a priority to academics. Uh, so I always wanted to have many options academically where I could go to college or graduate school. Yeah, absolutely. And this is something I see with so many young people um, who have that same thing. It's like lawyer, uh, doctor, lawyer, engineer, and then maybe a few other things. How would you recommend young people will navigate that with their parents? Yeah, so I think one of the things I learned, and I didn't really execute on it until after law school, because my mom uh, utilized guilt uh, to right. keep me aligned with what she thought was best, is understanding that just because someone loves you doesn't mean they give you good advice. Not to say you shouldn't appreciate their advice, which means to listen to it, learn from it, but ultimately make your own decision. And I think too many kids today are either one way or another, meaning they either just do what their parents say or because their parents say it, they don't do anything their yeah. parents say. I'm more gray area person that says, look, I know you don't know what you don't know, mom. I know that your advice is based off of fear, fear for me because you love me and are more afraid for me then I love myself or afraid for myself. But I also know that you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. The world has changed. You have very specific skills, knowledge, and desire. I'm going to align my skills, knowledge, and desire to a trajectory where I think I want to be and find people who sit in a situation I want to be in and ask them for advice, yeah. not just my mom or dad. So you were saying don't go to extremes. You know, try to find a middle point where you can keep them happy, but also pursue what you want to do. Yeah, always when parents give you advice, always appreciate the fact that they love you and they want the best for you and acknowledge that, but treat their advice like a handful of sand. You grab it, say thank you, and then let all the kernels that aren't aligned mm. fall through all this graves of sand, and then they'll give you a good piece of advice. Hold on to that one. Yeah, no, I love that. And it's just something I see so much because I wanted to kind of steer this into like a careers conversation for young sure. people specifically. Yep. Um, you know, especially in Australia, when you're 18, you can drink, right? And so you, you turn 18, it's your last year of high school, you're drinking, you're going out, you've got all your exams, everything hits you at once. So everyone's telling you what to do with your life. Um, what is your thoughts on current careers for young people? Like when AI has just come out and it's kind of taken the world by storm. How do you think the, the current landscape looks like? For young I think, people? you know, most young people, and this is historically true, they look at outcomes of careers instead of looking at the three things that they should be looking at uh, when we're looking at the career uh, that we have. And what we really want to do is encourage young people to look at the skills that they have one or need, the knowledge of who and what, not one or the other, right? The two schools of it's not what you know, it's who you know, or yeah, yeah. you need to know that. No, it's both what and who. 
and then also look at their desires, right? Because we're going to perform more with what we're passionate about than not. So when we get kids to look at, okay, here's the skills I have underneath, here's the knowledge of what and who, and here's my desires. Now we can align it with the jobs, careers, and industries that are doing well today, jobs, careers, and industries that are stable today, and maybe jobs, careers, and industries that we think will be doing well in the future. Web3, AI, esports, whatever it may be. I'm 55 years old, and only in the last 20 years have I given myself the same advice. And because of that, I've been able to stay ahead of the curve and align my skills, knowledge, and desire with the industries, careers, and jobs that are doing well, are stable, and I thought would be doing well today. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, when we're looking at skill sets like that, as you said, Web3, AI and stuff, the tagline of my podcast was originally um, practical life skills we didn't learn in school. Um, so what are some of the skills, you know, there's always common ones like taxes and financial literacy, but like if you were kind of creating an education system um, for like your kids or for anyone who's, you know, younger, what are the skills you'd want to include um, so that they could prosper in a career? Yeah, well, first of all, you know, I'd want somebody to create a course about Number one, happiness. So the curriculum about how and what we uh, define as happiness for ourselves, the ability to enjoy a consistent, persistent pursuit of our own potential. I think we don't do enough inner work or self-development work uh, in schools. Uh, as far as the technical side of it, I think you know we can get that from online training. Uh, so I like that component. I also would have uh, a social construct that uh, is a lot like college today in America, where we have an emotional intelligence that's uh, suited for fraternity life, uh, organizations, living on a campus. I would also have more work uh, internships in the educational system, mm. apprenticeships, they called them in the past, but internships today uh, are, are, are few and far between. And then also, I think it's important, you know, like they do uh, in Israel. I don't know if they do this in Australia, but you know, two years in the army. Uh, I agree, to be honest. I, I think, and I don't necessarily think it has to be the army, but I think it has to be two years in government give back. So you wanna work at the DMV, or you wanna work at a home, a homeless shelter, or in the army, I think we should give back two years and then give free education uh, for everyone else. Right, so you think you give two years and in return you get the free education. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a much better solution. And like my dad did two years in the army and he always references like a discipline he learned just by attending that. He didn't learn in high school or anything. Oh yeah, and look, that's why I hire people that played sports or were in the military. Right. Because I can't, that consistent, persistent pursuit of your potential is taught today in the military and in sports. Um, but I do believe that economically, because of technology, remote learning, we can have much better professors, right? Much better practical lessons that can be done online. So if we're giving two years back to our government and then we get education for free for the rest of our lives, where majority of it is online, but maybe, you know, for me, two years giving for the government, living in dorms, barracks, whatever. Yeah. And then you get two years at university after the two years of giving back where you get that socialization of fraternity yeah. and groups. I think it'd be a perfect uh, match of what people could use to have a well-balanced life. Yeah, balance of like good education and social life. Yeah. Yeah. And not sitting at home just gaming. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> yeah. Um, you mentioned, there's something that you mentioned, the persistent pursuit 
of your potential and happiness. I know one of your taglines is you wanted to help a billion people with happiness. Over, yeah. Over a billion people. Yeah, don't. yeah over a billion people with happiness, yeah. Talk to me about like, what is what is happiness? Like, how do you measure that? How do you approach that? Well, I approach it with my skill, knowledge and desire, which is three areas that I can help people with. And the way that I'm gonna get to over a billion people is find a thousand people like you that I can empower to empower a thousand people through your podcast and other things to empower a thousand, a thousand times a thousands, a million, a million times a thousand, yeah. a billion. That's a collective consciousness that can change the world. Well, what are the three components for me of happiness? Well, I've never met anyone with these three components that wasn't happy. One, a person who makes a lot of money that lives in abundance. Yeah. Two, a person who helps others with that abundance. Three, a person that is a positive, grateful person that has fun or learns to love everything you do. You see, if you can teach people to learn to love what they do, what they do will tell you all its secrets. And when they learn those secrets, it's the subtlety of success, it's the subtlety of happiness. And so I try to teach people, to teach people, to teach people how to make a lot of money, live in abundance, help a lot of people to give back, but also to have a lot of fun, to understand our ignorant arrogance and our ignorant humility that leads to more abundance, more money, and more health. Love that. That's awesome, And You know, you, you mentioned there like, obviously money, right? And this is a big thing for young people. I, I think it's a big reason we're, we're chasing careers like doctors, lawyers, engineers, which aren't bad careers, but they're only suited to certain types of people. And um, I think it's a big thing around status for young people. And you mentioned there that it's not just money, like obviously money plays a role, but there's a lot more to it. Do you know people in your life with lots of money and aren't happy? And well, yeah, you know what? I was one of them, right? All right, yeah. I made a million dollars nine months out of law school, multi-millionaire three years later when we exited uh, to Thompson Reuters for $3.4 billion. And by the time I was 35, not only did I have everything I ever dreamed of, including my dream girl, three daughters, all the houses, cars, boats, planes, anything that I wanted. But for the first time, and I had access to, you know, what billionaires could afford. So I ran the most notable sports agency in the world right. at the time as well, but I wasn't happy. Uh, so I also had surrounded myself with a bunch of miserable people that made a lot of money, but they weren't helping a lot of people and they weren't having fun. They were living shallow existences. A lot of them still appreciated what they had. A lot of them even acknowledged what they had. And in order to acknowledge what you have, you have to acquire the knowledge by not having it anymore. But where they really fell down is they didn't live in a value add world. They lived in a zero sum game. Yeah. So there was never enough. No matter if you had a million, a hundred million like me, or even a billion, there was never enough. Therefore, when you live in a world of not enough, when you're buying things you don't need and more things you don't need to impress people you don't like, you're not gonna find happiness there. Mm. And so I spend a lot of time helping people understand that money does not buy love or happiness, but it allows you to shop. So what I do is teach people to make a lot of money and then teach them to shop for the right things for the right reasons. And if you make a lot of money and you shop for the right things for the right reasons, I promise you, you'll be happy. Mm. And I think it's it's so, because like you hear this a lot when you're younger, like money doesn't make you happy. But I remember when I was like 15, I was like, oh, but all I want is that PlayStation. Or yeah. I want is that thing. Good and so, but, I always, but then I hear people like you say it, and I've heard so many people say that. It's like, okay, yes, money is important, but there's more to it, right? I think sounds like for you, one of the biggest things is contribution. Yeah, or, or just like, like let's take you a Ferrari, for example, because I coach uh, a young entrepreneur and uh, I helped him make his first million. And when he had the first million, he bought a Lamborghini. Yeah. And I was disappointed in him. Yeah. I was like, dude, you're not learning from me. He's like, what are you talking about? 
you taught me to make a lot of money and to buy something for the right reasons. I'm like, well, you know, why are you buying what you don't need? He's all, well, I bought it for the right reason, Mr. Meltzer. I said, well, why would you buy a Lamborghini? He said, well, because where I'm from, nobody has a Lamborghini. And where I'm from, when I drive my Lamborghini in the neighborhood, people ask me, how'd you get that Lamborghini? Do you sell drugs? Do you, are you a musician? Are you an entertainer? Are you an athlete? And I said, no, I read books and I teach people. Mm. That's the best investment I can make. And I'm, and humbly, I apologize and, and I say, hey, forgive me, man. You learned deeper lessons than I was teaching yeah. because you know, money, but without money, you would have never had the opportunity to do that. Look, if you want to own a Ferrari, then own it for the right reasons and learn from it and do good with it. It doesn't mean you can't have a Ferrari. So I don't put my own judgments or conditions saying, or anymore, because I did, hey, you shouldn't buy that watch or those shoes. It's ask yourself, right? What are the reasons I'm buying this watch, hmm. right? It may just be because it makes you feel good. Yeah. Right? And if it makes you feel good, yeah, that's great. Now, I personally say if a watch is going to make me feel good, how much, you know, what's the cheapest watch I can buy that's going to yeah, make yeah, me feel yeah. good? That's just me. So I'd rather give the other money for something else. Even when Mother Teresa, most people don't know this, won the Nobel Peace Prize. You know, that's an ego-based award. False. She accepted the award, but wouldn't let them have the ceremony. She said, take all the money that you're going to utilize for the event and give it to charity. Mm. So there's a lot of different ways to see or give meaning to different things in your life, including what you buy. I think a lot of it is like the status thing. You know, why do people buy the watches? Because all their friends have the watches. Yeah. And it's like, do you want to watch or do you want to sit in with your friends? And then you kind of ask the bigger questions when it comes to kind of that sort of thing to young people. Um, I think that's okay. Uh, it's right? Life's about methods. And I want to encourage young people to experience things, but look for the light, the love, and the lessons in them so that you can move past them faster than I move past them. Yeah. Love it. How are we for time? Two minutes. Uh, I got two final things. You talk very, very quickly um, about failure for young people. This is something that I think we need to embrace a lot more. One, I know you've had some failures in the past. So could you talk quickly about what our relationship with failure should be like as we're navigating our 20s? Yeah, so look, there's two fears in life, fear of the past and fear of the future. And both uh, incorporate uh, fear of failure, fear of what people are gonna think of me because I failed in the past. I went bankrupt, lost over $100 million. Pretty big financial failure. And then fear of what may happen in the future because of the meaning that I gave losing over $100 million. And what I want to tell people is that failure, sets, uh, setbacks, mistakes, they're the things that protect and promote us if we find the light, the love, and the lessons in it. So I tell people, give meaning to your failures aligned with the trajectory of where you want to be. Don't give meaning of punishment to it. Don't give meaning of setback for your life to limit you, give it the protection, promotion, propulsion that it deserves. For me, failure, setbacks, and mistakes are the catalyst mm. to indicate my future. And I make sure that my failures and the meaning I give my failures are aligned with the trajectory of where I wanna be, not where I don't wanna be. See, too many people, especially your age, mine too, but especially your age, they're so worried about what other people think, what other people yeah. want, what's missing, what they don't have, and failures that they have or haven't had in their own lives, that they end up with what other people want, what's missing, what they don't have, what mistakes they've made in the past again and again and again, or what failures. Instead, give meaning to the failures in a trajectory to where you want to be, and I promise you'll get there for better a lot faster. 
And, you know, the fact that it's your response doesn't surprise me because anyone who's achieved any level of success like you has failed so many Never times. Never met one, yeah. one successful person that wasn't an aggregate of failure. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> well, listen, we've got one more question before we wrap up. And I ask every guest this question, and it's very simple. What advice would you give to an 18-year-old today? Or what recommendations, what would you say to an 18-year-old today? Three words. Ask for help. The three, th three words that I did do when I lost everything. The best piece of advice I can give an 18-year-old, a 28, 38, 48, 58, 68, 78, 88, or 98-year-old, ask for help. Find someone who sits in a situation you want to be in and ask for help. Live in a value-add world, not a zero-sum game. When you ask someone for help, you're adding value to that person. You're not taking away. There's not winners and losers. There's no transaction going on. It's simply a value-add world. And the best way to add value to you and others is to ask for help. I love it. David, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. If people want to get in touch with you, where's the best place to go? Is it the podcast? You've got books and all that sort of thing? I got everything. So the best thing to do, and I'll offer this for your whole audience, is email me directly. Email me directly. I'd love to send everyone my book, sign it, send it to you, pay for shipping. If you're abroad, I'll give you ebook, audio book. Just email me, david at dmelzer.com, david at dmelzer.com. If you forget the email, Google me, David Meltzer, yeah. and you can find me. I'll put all that below, but David, thank you for coming to come to show. Thank you for being here, and welcome to the greatest stadium ever built. Thank you. All right.